Amen. I know some of us here are football fanatics and I know how you scream when your team scores. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Say, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that lives within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Amen. He's the one who delivers your life from destruction. Amen. He delivers my life from destruction. He's the one who heals all, not some, not the minor. He's the one who heals all our diseases. Amen. And this is the God we are praising this morning. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Thank you very much, worship team. Amen. So, Yamansa, a very spiritual Christian sister, uh, had been believing God for 100 Ghana CDs. She'd been fasting and praying and, you know, having all night services, you know, binding demons, claiming by faith, naming it. You know, done all the spiritual acrobatics uh, Christians, uh, we Christians do sometimes. And finally, one evening after prayer service, she was walking home and then she found a bundle of money on the floor. She picked it up. I don't think God blesses us by, you know, dropping money on the floor, but she picked it up, counted the money, and it was 90 Ghana CDs. She lifted the 90 Ghana CDs up towards heaven and said, Jehovah Jireh, I thank you for providing, and I thank you for taking your tithe out. <laughs> this morning, I want to talk to us about Jehovah Jireh. Amen. I mean, if you grew up in church, you uh, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, his grace is sufficient for me. We, we know these songs. Uh, we know what it means. He's God, my provider. You know, sometimes when we hear Jehovah Jireh, it's, it's, it sounds like, oh, the preacher is going to encourage us to give more money so we, we receive more. That's not what this is about. This is not to call you into giving more money. The reason why it's important that we understand who Jehovah Jireh is is because a lot of the blessings in the Bible are only useful on earth. In heaven, those blessings will be totally irrelevant. So, for example, the blessing of good health, in heaven there is no sickness. You know, the blessing of a healthy, beautiful marriage, in heaven there is no marriage. You know, uh, the blessing of fruitfulness. Uh, in heaven, there is no conception of childbirth. You know. uh, peace of mind. In, in heaven, there are no troubles. <laughs> you know, the blessing of prosperity on it. In heaven, there is no poverty. You know. So, we can be all spiritual and miss out on the blessings God has for us in this life. And what is actually happening is that we are missing out on this section of the kingdom. I know a lot of the times when we hear this kind of lingua, it is part of the whole prosperity gospel and, you know, basically trying to spiritualize covetousness and greed and, and all that. But it's also quite sad when, because we've seen so much fake, we miss out on the original. Uh, there was a time I was in Senegal and I needed to buy something. I walked into the shop and all I had on me were U.S. dollars. And then this guy says, no, I, I can't take U.S. dollars. I don't want to take U.S. dollars. If it were, if it were euros, I'll take it. 
And I said, why wouldn't you take U.S.? I said, because that, and he said, there are too many fakes. You know, uh, and I'm afraid that if, you know, it, it may be fake. Now, the salesman's problem is that he's not educated enough. What I had on me were original U.S. dollars. And and the money I was holding was the full value of everything you'd find in an original U.S. dollar. But because of his unbelief, <laughs> because of his doubt, because of his lack of knowledge, he couldn't receive the blessing I was giving him. When God introduces himself as Jehovah Jireh, the first time is actually in the book of Genesis chapter 22, uh, when Abraham was so emotionally attached to his only son. I mean, technically he wasn't his only son, but he was the promised son. You know, the son from his wife, his, his legal proper wife. And this was the son of his old age. And he was so attached to this child that God said, Abraham, at this point I want you to choose between, I want you to choose between your son and me. Go sacrifice him. And on the Mount of Moriah, as he lifts his knife ready to sacrifice his son, an angel speaks to him and says, Abraham, don't hurt the child. You know, I've, provide, I've provided a ram for the sacrifice. And on that mountain, verse 13 says, Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. What I want to talk to us about, about Jehovah Jireh, is the Lord will provide is, is a very simple way of thinking of God as provider. In the biggest sense of Jehovah Jireh is the concept that he is the God who goes ahead of you to prepare for you. Amen. Before Abraham got on that mountain, the ram had already been provided. Now, I want us to go to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 31. I hope you brought your Bible. Deuteronomy chapter 31. And look at Moses. This is 120 years of living on earth. And Moses is at the end of his walk. For 40 years, he had led Israel out of Egypt and they were just about entering the promised land. But God told him, Moses, you have run out of gas. <laughs> you know, hand over the baton. I want Joshua to take them further. So these were basically part of Moses' last words. And what Moses does here is based on something that is very, very experiential for him, for 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 himself as Moses, but also opens our eyes to the full meaning of Jehovah Jireh. I pray that after we go through the scriptures, this is a concept that will fully sit in your spirit and will propel you towards where God is leading you. Amen. So in verse 2 and 3, he says, I'm now 120 years old. I am no longer able to lead you. The Lord has told me you will not cross the Jordan River. But the Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy the nations living there and you will take possession of their land. 
Joshua will lead you across the river just as the Lord promised. So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Then Moses called for Joshua. And as all Israel watched, he said to him, Joshua, be strong and courageous. For you will lead these people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors he would give them. You are the one who will divide it among them as their grants of land. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. So, you notice in, in Moses' words, he uses this expression many times, the Lord will personally he will not send the delegation to go ahead of you. He will not send a team of escorts. He will not send angels. He said, the Lord will personally go ahead of you. The Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will not go with you in the sense of you both show up at the same time and down. You know, God is your, you know, he's, he's chief of your team. He goes ahead of you and prepares for you. Sometimes we go through life all anxious, all worried about tomorrow, about decisions to make, about the future. And we are anxious and worried because we, we are not aware that God already is in our tomorrow. Amen. He's in the college, you know, he, he, he's in the college your children will attend. He's in the, in, the, in the surgical ward. He's in the labor ward. He's in the kindergarten. You know, he's, he's at the hospice. God has gone way ahead of you to prepare for you. When the Christian realizes, comes to this place where they, they get to understand that God is personal. I mean, you notice, Moses was talking to Israel. It was, it was a mass gathering. And he says, be strong, be courageous. You know, I've never seen anybody send their child to go, go buy coffee and say, be courageous. You don't need courage to buy coffee. You don't need courage to make tea. You, know, you don't need courage to do simple things. Normally when you hear, be courageous, it means that there is turbulence ahead. You know, brace yourself. There are battles to be fought. You know, there are mountains to climb. So Moses tells them, be courageous. But in, in everything, just remember that the Lord will personally go ahead of you. Why would Moses say that? His very name, Moses, is an indication of God going ahead of you to prepare for you. Jochebed, his mother, gave birth to him at the time when Pharaoh had decreed that all male children, all male babies should be executed. And the, and the, the way to execute the babies is to just drop them in the, in the Nile. You know, those who don't drown will be eaten by crocodiles. The Nile crocodile is basically the biggest crocodile you find. And they are not friendly crocodiles. So you have a pharaoh who is feeding Israelite babies, Jew, Jewish babies, to crocodiles. And this is the season this woman finds herself in. She's a slave in Egypt, not because of any sin she had committed, 
not because of any curse that's upon her life, not because of any bad choices. Jochebed finds herself a slave. She's a hostage in a hostile environment. And in the midst of what is, what is politically chaotic, God reaches out to her personally. And God says, these crocodile-infested waters is the very path I will use to lead your son to the palace. And in Exodus chapter 2, we see a slave woman being paid to nurse her own baby. Hallelujah. That is when God goes ahead of you to prepare for you. The concept of a slave being paid. You know, I mean, today, you, know, you work and you get paid, so it's normal. But the idea of this princess saying, I will pay you to nurse this baby for me. The concept of being paid to do a job she would have done for free anyway. You know, Listen, the men in Israel were making bricks and mortar with their bare hands and they were not getting paid. She was being paid to nurse her own baby. Why? Because God had gone ahead of her to preserve that special baby. Amen. A lot of the times... We like the political because the political is easy. But God thrives best in the personal. No, sound political governments are not promised in the Bible. In fact, the Bible encourages us to pray for them, to pray for governments, to pray for leaders. Because when the government is wrong, our lives will be tough. One of the reasons why Ghana is quite a safe place is, is because we've been blessed with way better governments than a lot of our neighbors over the years. You know, And in the Bible, we see people in very volatile political times. And sometimes it's easy to say, if there is God, why did the Holocaust happen? Why did this political catastrophe happen? And yet... In the midst of all that chaos, you always see God in the personal. In the book of Daniel, we meet Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three Hebrew boys, who through no fault of theirs are Enoch's. They've been castrated so that they cannot you know, marry Babylonian women and have children with them. So basically all the royal slaves, if you end up as a slave in Babylon, as a male, you get castrated. Uh, in fact, this is a practice that in the Middle Eastern cultures went on for centuries. That is why even though a lot of Africans ended up in the Middle East as, as slaves, you have very, very little presence of Africans. Unlike in the Americas where when you go, you end up, you meet someone like, ah, that guy is Ghanaian. He is Ghanaian. He, he is so Ghanaian. Oh, that one is Ugandan. That one is Nigerian. That one is from Namibia. He doesn't know it, but he's Namibian. You know, because in, in, in the Middle East palace, when you get as a slave, a male slave, mainly you got castrated. So these three young men are castrated. It doesn't stop them from believing in God. They won't bow to the statue of Nebuchadnezzar. And you will think that, you know, God will intervene and something dramatic will happen. No, he allows them to be thrown into the furnace. But it was when they got into the furnace, the fire that, in fact, the soldiers who threw them in were consumed by the fire and they died. But they end up in the furnace. And what they didn't realize was that God had gone ahead of them 
installed air conditioners, provided very, very comfortable seating, and they were just chilling. They were in the furnace, but they were chilling. Hallelujah. Too many Christians are afraid of the furnaces of life. You know, the slightest headache, the slightest tribulation, the slightest uh, diagnosis or report from a doctor, and we panic and we shiver. And a lot of the time, it is because we haven't fully understood the concept of Jehovah as the one who goes ahead of us to prepare for us. I don't know what, where you are now, but I want to tell you that God has gone way ahead of you to prepare for you. Amen. He's going to negotiate on your behalf, but you don't know it. In John chapter 4, there's a story of the Samaritan woman, the woman who decided to go to the well at 12 noon. If you're familiar with traditional cultures, no, and in, this is, I'm in quotation marks, no proper woman goes to the well at 12 noon. Yeah. So her character and that's why the Bible will bother to tell you she went to the well at 12 noon. Women would normally go to the well early in the morning and towards sunset. You know. Early in the morning, so the water from the morning is used to get the household ready to go to school or go to the farm, go to wherever you have to. And the evening at sunset is to you know, cook and prepare for dinner. And, that, and, and it's a cycle. She doesn't want to meet any other woman in this society. <laughs> She's a rebel to the core. She shows up at 12 noon. She encounters Jesus and she was more interested in the political. I am a Samaritan, you are a Jew. My ancestor Jacob, this, this. And then Jesus said, yeah, but I want to go personal. Go bring your husband. I can give you this water to drink where you'll never thirst again. But go bring your husband. That is personal. And she says, I have no husband. And Jesus said, that's quite true. The man you're with it's not your husband. It's like, but that's none of your business. Well, it is my business. If I'm going to be the God who provides you with water that never dries up, a spring of water that runs into eternity, I have to get personal with you. God always wants to get personal. We can have the political talk, you know, like this. Oh, baptism of the Holy Spirit. Is it this? Is this, uh, you know, sprinkling this, that? You know. We can have all these political talks. You, know. you are African. Why are you Christian? What is. But God is always in the personal. Hallelujah. In James chapter 1. James, remember that, um, I mean, I think, and I have to set this, this person we are coming to hear from was executed for his faith. He was killed because of what he believed. So he's not some, uh, you know, he, he's not somebody who is living the big life and is at fun and is enjoying life and he's talking by heart, as we say in Ghana. In James chapter 1, he writes from verse 2 and says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. 
that person, the one who doubts, should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Amen. And you notice in this concept, God doesn't change his posture. He still gives. He's Jehovah Jireh. He still goes ahead to prepare for you to provide. But it says that double-minded person cannot receive. It is one thing to transmit. It is another thing to be able to tune in. It says, oh, God is transmitting all right. But the person who is double-minded cannot receive. What causes double-mindedness? The young man in Senegal couldn't take my dollars because he was double-minded. But his double-mindedness stemmed from ignorance. He was not very familiar with the U.S. dollar. If, if I was walking in the streets of New York and went into the shop and I pulled out that money to buy, we wouldn't have had that conversation because the person, the salesman in that shop would be so familiar with the dollar. In fact, probably the only currency he knows or she knows and wouldn't even think of the possibility that maybe it's a fake. A lot of the double-minded, a lot of the struggle we have, a lot of the double-mindedness stems from our lack of intimacy with God our not knowing him. But it is in the personal. Knowing Jehovah as Jehovah Jireh, knowing this God we serve as Jehovah Jireh, is mainly about one thing. That, yes, the trials and tribulations will come. The difficulties will come. But you go through them with this steadfastness and this courage. As Moses said, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Why? Because the Lord himself will personally go ahead of you. Hallelujah. This morning, I want us to bow down our heads in prayer. Maybe you are here and yes, you're a Christian, but you know deep down that there's really no relationship. You know, it's, or maybe you are not. You know, maybe you are in this season of dryness and there's a part of you that is upset with God and you are not sure. You have way more questions than answers. This morning, as we bow down our heads in prayer, I want you to just open up your heart. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, before, before we get into the scriptures I read, Moses was challenging Israel. And he said, This day I place before you life and death. I will encourage you to choose life. This morning, I want to encourage you to choose life. I want you to, to encourage you to choose to walk with this God, this Savior, this Jesus. He, he wants to become your personal God. He says, behold, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. If you hear me and open me, I'll come in. A life of surrender is the best life. It isn't always easy, but it is always meaningful. I want us to do a check in our spirit. Where are you now in your walk with God? If Jesus were to come today, will, will he say, well done, good and faithful servant? Or will he say, depart from me, I don't know you?
very difficult to see the power of God in the seasons of compromise. Like Joshua said, choose ye this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If there is anything in our lives that we know is an obstacle to a quality, meaningful walk with Jesus, I want us to pray and ask him to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want us to bring our idols before him. The biggest idol today is the idol of self. This is what I want to do. This is what gives me joy. This is the, you know, this is me. It's always about me, 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 I, I, I. And yet his plans for us are always better than any plan we can imagine or can dream about. He says, I know the thoughts I have towards you, say the Lord. They are thoughts of peace, not of evil. They are thoughts of good, not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. You cannot walk with God and feel hopeless. Maybe you're here and you feel like giving up. If you feel that you'd want to be prayed with, we'll be very happy to pray with you. Maybe you're going through this season and you feel, well, a little prayer will help. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need to surrender. Jesus, help me surrender. Maybe you're struggling with a habit, with an addiction, something holding you down. This morning, the good news is that the Holy Spirit is here. The chain breaker is here. Here to set us free. Ask him. Surrender to him. Commit to him. Father, this morning we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we who were no people, we, we who were the outcasts of life, the, the trodden upon, the forgotten, we are today called children of the Most High God. We can come into your awesome presence enter the throne room of mercy and call you Father. We thank you for this privilege of sonship and daughtership. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you that you love us so much that you died for us. This morning we rededicate our lives to you. May you become to us Jehovah Jireh, our very personal God who goes ahead of us at every moment and in every season to prepare for us. May you be glorified through our lives. Help us where we struggle, where we are double-minded, where we are hypocritical, where we pretend, Lord. Help us. May we stand before you guiltless because of the blood that speaks better things than the blood of cows and bulls. And Lord, be glorified in our lives. Be glorified in our choices. Be glorified in our darkest days. Be glorified in our brightest hours. Be glorified, Lord, in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' precious name.